Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Today, we have me and... Snack Laundry. Me and Jackson. It's just us two. Jack, um, Not Jackson. What's his name? What's our best friend's name? Uh, Gerald. Gerald. Garrick can't make it because he's going to be traveling to Cabo San Lucas for the race that is happening this weekend, which Jackson's also leaving for soon. So he can't make it. But we have a good episode. We're going to talk about some 70.3 worlds. Um, good, bad, ugly injustices that have been done some the world uh, upon the world and then uh that's probably the main episode and talk about what's going to happen next and you'll hear me probably ramble about stuff well that was loud you'll hear me kind of ramble about stuff that i'm upset about and jackson will probably just be fine but he'll be bitching a little bit too so, all right speaking of bitching how was your race nick well before we talk about individual races let's talk about the overbearing notion of a very cold race here in St. George for the women. Um, and it was kind of nice to see the women race ahead of us because we could kind of see what they were going to wear for, to, you know, manage the temperatures and having had a DNF in Wisconsin due to rain, wind, and severe cold that put me out of the race. I was a little PTSD ish. So I kind of was going to go overboard, but Jackson on the other hand was like, I don't know, not going to wear a damn thing. Yeah, well, I was going to wear gloves, but I had a horrible swim, and then I was trying to get the first glove on, and I was like, I'm so far back, I just need to go and take a risk because if I don't leave now, I have no chance. Yeah. Um, but the women's race we saw didn't have two – I mean, Holly Lawrence wore her typical bikini. and Not bikini, one piece. Bikini, one piece with bikini bottom. So her whole leg was, like, exposed. Yeah, I think she would maybe put some of that warming lotion on her legs, I heard. But she also um, still finished the bike and did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, she looked she looked cold on, on the broadcast. You could see pedal stroke didn't look as fluid. She was definitely in and out of the saddle, fighting for it a lot. But who, who looked control the whole time outside of, I mean, Taylor Nib just putting six minutes into the, to Paula and Flora Duffy. Um, who looked in, in most control to you? Paula, Paula, yeah, Paula even didn't break a stride, even climbing an arrow, nothing to even bother about. She just stays in that arrow position and doesn't move a muscle. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, she's um and national she's champion, time trial, unreal cyclist, and uh, it's crazy that Taylor Nib is six <laughs> minutes faster than her on the bucket. Or no, I don't think it was six because. She swam faster too, but it was like four to five minutes faster on the bike. Yeah. Still incredible against the likes of Flora and Paula and, you know, Holly to that, to that note. Well, Holly ended up getting dropped with Lucy was in there. Yeah. Lucy uh, on the bike. So it was a pretty interesting race to watch. Uh, of course we had Tamara and Leslie racing and we were super stoked to see them get out of the water together. And Leslie had a bit of a slower transition. Unfortunately, she had big problems with the cold and wasn't able to finish. But Tamara had a decent ride and got herself into a pretty good spot. Ninth, I think. ninth place? She was ninth in the end. Off the bike, she was like, 
I think around 20 somewhere. Yeah, she ran up well. Um, and then she ran the fastest of the day, got into ninth, almost eighth, just ran out of a little bit of room uh, in the last few hundred meters. But that was a great result for her. And Leslie was pretty, you know, uh, she's usually pretty good about dealing with unfortunate mishaps and not taking them too, too hard. Well, she also had a bit of a concussion. Somebody had just kind of jumped into her swim lane and didn't really give notice and they kind of collided head on. And that's probably happened to a lot of us, unfortunately, especially when I go to other countries, swim etiquette just isn't there. So she really had a lot going against her, um, but she's going to keep racing. I think going to go out for Daytona, um, but the women's race is awesome. Um, Lucy Charles Barclay, I'm not surprised, had a tough day after what she was able to do at Kona. She so, still finished fourth. Still, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I wasn't saying that was bad. I was really impressed. Yeah, that was, you know, uh, pretty solid considering. And then awesome to see Emma Pallant run out her way in a third. Yeah. Um, pretty stellar. And there was a good battle going on there between Paula, Lucy, and Flora, Flora. for a while. And then Flora ended up struggling to fifth a little bit, but still a great result. So super exciting race to watch. And then we all sort of thought, okay, what's going to happen here for our race? And I noticed that a lot of the women didn't really wear too much and that we were going to have a few degrees warmer. So I figured, and as well as doing some testing, I thought, you know what, just gloves is going to be fine. Yeah, um, we went we went out that morning of the women's race and rode around 9 a.m. And you were fine. Yeah. And I had put on like some, what I think I put a trash bag down the front of my shirt and some space blanket and gloves and I was okay when we were working hard. But after like 30 minutes of riding, I came back and was just shivering in the garage. So I knew I was going to be in trouble, but Jackson was like warmer than a sauna. So no, I was cold, but I, my, I could tell my body temperature hadn't really dropped. So I knew once I was getting into a hard effort for the race, that I'd be fine. Um, and I was so other than the fact that I still had for sure a cold um, lingering. And so that was my main worry mentally for the three days before the race was just like, am I going to be okay for this race? Dude, your nose was running like a faucet. Yeah. The day before the race, I blew my nose like hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit concerning, but I knew I didn't have mm -hmm. a fever. I still felt pretty good in terms of like my energy levels and, and the little pickups and whatnot we were doing in our race prep training. So I thought that I might be all right. Um, so I took some allergy, non-drowsy medication before the race and sort of felt fine. But ultimately I was a bit distracted and just sort of like didn't really get into that mental zone right before the start of like, okay, let's go out super hard and crush this start. And unfortunately that kind of cost me and I really got jumbled around and ended up pretty bad. Both Nick and I off the start on the swim yeah it was terrible um <laughs> i had up at altitude we were having a good time obviously and it was it was nice to get away i just was dealing with some body temperature issues i was freezing the whole time and felt achy and i think i was fighting something off so i went on to antibiotics a couple of days throughout the week and then another set two days out from the race so i kind of knew i was going to be more participating in a hometown event that i just wanted to finish hoping for the best obviously but after that swim start when they put like nearly 60 guys into a 17 yard wide area it was just really hectic i was on jack's feet for quite a bit after we got slalomed out of there 
And then he went left around a buoy. I went right around one of the siding buoys and just lost feet. And I just couldn't get back, which was terrible. I was breathing with like a lot of wheezing, but um, still came out, I think maybe 15 or 20 seconds behind. Um, behind me? Yeah. Yeah, it was something around 20 seconds behind me. I was two minutes behind the leaders. Yeah, we got raked. Um, Which was not good. I mean, in a wetsuit swim, I've been within 30 seconds at Oceanside. And then typically an average one might be like a minute back. So that was not very good. But um, I got onto the bike. Didn't decided not to put the gloves on. Got on the bike. Had a good transition. I saw Matt Hansen ahead. I couldn't really see any groups ahead, but I thought, all right, if I can catch Matt Hansen, you know, then maybe we can work together. So I worked pretty hard. I I worked pretty hard, but I wasn't actually pushing super hard the first ten minutes or so because I knew it was like more of a long chase that I'd have to do and not a really quick, you know, let's close the gap right now. Um, so once we did that first little U turn after what was it, five minutes yeah, or so? Who else were you around? Um, kind of nobody. I was kind of in no man's land, like. There's a couple guys just strung out in front of me that I I passed in the first few minutes, but there was no groups. And then I caught Matt on the first hill. And that's when I really could see that that main big group was coming back to me. And I thought, all right, well, I got to catch these boys. So I pushed hard over that climb. Matt kind of lost, um, lost connection with me there. And then I just rode hard after that descent and I was kind of almost in the group. And then I caught onto the tail end of that group, probably after like, 20 minutes but it just became a process of passing because there was like 20 guys in there and i knew it was going to split up so i was just gradually passing that group um and work my way towards the front yeah i saw you on that there was two i think i saw you once on the out and back and you were really moving your way up i couldn't believe how much ground you made it was like the likes of lionel riding through the pack after a tough swim so that bike power and everything you put together was really impressive. And uh, at the meantime, I came out of the water, discombobulated as it can be. Couldn't find even the damn string to unzip my wetsuit, even though I know damn well it was at the bottom because it's a blue 70 helix. Um, I even had to ask like the crowd who was by the rack, like, did the string fall off? Is, there, is How do I unzip? And they were like, it's at the fucking bottom. So... Luckily, I got unzipped eventually. Put on a jacket. I knew I was going to be pretty much tail end of the group, so I didn't care. Rode with the jacket. Took that off about an hour in. Finally got warm. Had a lot of fun, you know, hanging out with photographers, watching them go back and forth, catching up, letting me go by. <laughs> um, and then... Were you riding with anyone at any point or just your own? It is me. Uh, pretty boring out there. But I know the course so well, and it, it didn't really bother me too bad. It was fun. Um, I just knew I wanted to get the snow canyon and at least try to hold decent power. It was fading pretty hard. I think the antibiotics took a little bit of the top end off towards the end and endurance. But uh, meanwhile, you were going up with catching the, the front guys pretty much, probably within, you know, less than a minute of them up snow canyon. Yeah. So the very front guys, I, they kind of just pulled away gradually um, until the end of the bike I ended up something around five, just over five minutes down. Um, but the, there was sort of that group of four. Yeah. And then there was, uh, Mika Newt was kind of separated and then there was, and then I did catch Gustav and, um, kind of rode the descent with him, but the climb on snow Canyon was really hard. I mean, I'd been at the front of our group for a while. Um, 
and me and Thor Bendix Madsen were kind of trading poles a little bit. Um, but our group was still intact. It had kind of Aaron Royal, um, the French dude, um, Clay Mignon, <laughs> Clay Mignon, Clay and Mignon. uh, I think I think Costas might have been in there. There was there was a few guys there. So I thought, let's push this, you know, Snow Canyon pretty hard, see if we can't get away. And I was pushing it. I was, like, ready to push it hard. And then Thor passed me right at the bottom of Snow Canyon. And he just drove the pace up that whole thing. It was impressive. Um, I did stay with him for probably the first five minutes to six minutes. And I was having to push, like, 380. And I just had to let him go because I knew that was going to really wreck my legs. Um, so I let him go. And then Clay Mignon passed me. We kind of stayed together. And I ended up getting over the top ahead of him and just sort of chase him down. Then I could see Gustav ahead, chased him down and rode down with him. And then the group just kind of stayed with me and um, we got into T2 together, but descent still every year. I hope that I get over the top of uh, snow Canyon with like some really fast descenders and just uh, stay in the group, but it hasn't quite happened yet to where I've been kind of the one sometimes having to push the pace on the downhill, which isn't really my strong suit. So um maybe next time but But you were pretty arrow with that bike and kit i mean it seemed like it went pretty well yeah it was fine i was um yeah the new like the jackaroo sonic sleeve kit was super fast and then i had the their jackaroo cast sleeves on as well so i could tell i was especially early in the race i was just like more arrow than anybody who put on a bunch of warm gear for sure um but yeah even in the end like on the descent i lost something like 30 35 seconds to Magnus Ditlev, which for a 15k descent is not that bad. Um, <laughs> and uh he's obviously ripping. I mean, he's he's unbelievable. He biked under two hours, and uh I, I hear that Christian was pushing the pace at the front a lot as well. And I do believe I could have stayed with that group at least to Snow Canyon. Um, just with you know, they had a huge benefit working together, and I was only a couple minutes slower than them on my own for a lot of it. So um, just got to get that swim dialed in a little bit better for next time, but got to the run. I was in ninth. Um, yeah. Right. I, that's kind of like shows you how far back I was right. When I, you got to the top of the, the diagonal, took that right. And were went down the dip and then back up. And I had seen you running just passing Gustav right when I was coming in transition. Like that's probably, that's not too bad though. That's at least like eight to 10 minutes back. That was pretty terrible at that point. Yeah. But you know, you didn't have your legs and well, I'm not, I'm not looking for excuses for it. I just was like two perspectives, perspectives of the race. The front. Well, that's back. where those dudes were when I saw them too, the front guys. So they were ripping, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I was a ninth and I'm like, all right, past Gustav. He, he was obviously having an off day and then, I saw that Thor, Thor Bendix Madsen, who had put quite a bit of time into me, but he came back pretty quick. I think he had a slow T2 because I got out and he was not that far ahead. Yeah. Um, and I so I did catch him right at the top of the climb, just kind of before the golf course uh, section. So put in a bit of a search to drop him. And then I was in seventh and I thought, all right, well, if I can maintain this, that's pretty solid. And maybe even I can work my way into some of the front guys. Um but I did see Aaron Royal kind of starting to close on me. And I thought that I, I figured I should just hold my pace. And if he catches me, that's fine. Because if I was trying to surge to stay away from him that early, it could be a mistake. So 
Uh, he did catch me just kind of before the descent into diagonal. And he said, all right, let's work together. Take, you know, two minute pulls or something. And um, so he took the first turn down the hill and it honestly was pretty hard to stay with him for the first few minutes. Um, but then we got to the bottom and we were trading back and forth and we we're also getting splits. We weren't even losing time to the leaders at that point. So I knew we were running pretty good. And then coming back up the hill the second time, I just felt that he was not take like he stopped taking turns and he was struggling a bit more. So I just increased the pace of Tad and, and I was able to break him and just kind of pushed on my own the rest of the way. Um, I was making up time, especially on Frederick Funk for a while. It looked like I might be able to catch him, um, but he did kind of find another gear in the last couple of miles and repassed Mickey Tagolt. And I was sort of uh, relegated to being a minute behind them and coming in seventh. But for sure, I was super stoked to salvage a day when I thought I could have, you know, being sick, I thought I might have been totally screwed. And then after the swim start, like, I really just thought <laughs> at that point, my odds of having a good day were pretty low, but I was just going to give it my best anyway. And to be able to salvage it and have a comeback from a bad swim like that, I haven't done that in a long time. So um, huge confidence boost in terms of, I know my bike and run was stronger than last year. And now all I have to do is get the swim there. And I really can compete for the podium and potentially even win. Like it, all it takes is a little bit of a special day. And we're all so close that it could happen. So I'm uh, keeping my hopes up for sure for Finland. I can't wait till you beat freaking any of the Norwegians on the run. Just go toe to toe and just get them. I can't wait. I was the best part about my race was I was able to see a lot of that happen because I'd be going up diagonal and I would see Ben and Christian come down. Ben was leading the first time. That was so epic to see Ben just right at the front the whole time. He stayed with us here at our house for a couple of days. Um, actually, I think a week. And just knowing how focused he was and seeing how he was riding up Snow Canyon when we did some test rides, like I was so fired up for that guy to have a good race. And I didn't expect him to be that <laughs> that aggressive, but he nailed it, dude. Like, yeah. And, um, and then I got to see Jackson come down and see the gap to Fred Funk. And I just knew he was, he was having a great run. So that was fun for me, but especially seeing a lot of the women who raced like Ellie Salthouse and Emma Pallant were out there, um, just cheering. And it was kind of fun. I, I had more fun on that course than I thought I would given how I really thought I was doing. So it was awesome to see Ben crushing it up there. And I thought obviously he had a chance to beat Christian. Oh yeah. That was um, sick. But I mean, even second, that's incredible. But yeah, the women were out cheering. Tamara was out oh, supporting. Yeah, super she helpful. was awesome. Just kind of positive reinforcement. And um, Leslie was out there. And our obviously our wives were out there supporting us, which was great. But yeah. we expected that, obviously. Of course, yeah. if they're going to come out and forget the race. That'd be kind of fucked. Well, I probably, I thought I was going to fish too far back and everyone would be gone and they packed up the race. No, no, <laughs> he didn't. And you know what? Some people DNF. So there yeah. you go. Um but it was pretty good experience. I'm just happy to have had a result now for the first time in several months that I'm actually proud of and, um, you know, that I actually was able to put together a good day. So uh, that's going to give me some good momentum heading into this weekend for Cabo. Well, we can't talk about Cabo. We could talk about you causing a whole lot of nothing because you didn't do a damn thing wrong. So after the race happened, there was like a little bit of controversy about Mr. Sam Long getting um, a penalty for slotting in or something. And there was like a screen grab taken from the live feed that was on some accounts on, 
some Instagram accounts. And basically it showed Jackson passing Sam Long. So like this happens all the time where you've got a group that maybe is hitting a lull or maybe an uphill and you've got, you get, maybe you get it a little too close to the guy in front of you. So you have to pass the whole group. You got to do it. And same time that could happen to another athlete. So basically Sam was passing the group. Jackson realized he needed to make a pass or he was up for a, a, a option for a penalty if he didn't make the pass in the whole group. So he had to pass not only the whole group, but pass Sam while he was passing the group. And that's not abnormal. However, that screen grab was taken and used kind of inappropriately to talk about Sam's penalty, which was earned earlier in the race, not even at that point when that screen grab was taken. So there was a lot of, you know, I guess we'll call them haters or people who just saw a picture, didn't really know what they're talking about and started telling Jackson he should be kneecapped. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> and I did kneecap him. It's all right. Yeah. Um, but it's the- pretty funny though. Like even like even if I had somehow caused a penalty there, how the fuck is it my job to make sure Sam doesn't get a penalty? Like it's all not- these people like, oh, Sam is such a great athlete and he deserves, he shouldn't be, get, you shouldn't be passing him at all. It's all about respect and you shouldn't be ruining his race. It's like, guys, I work just as hard as Sam does and I'm not going to do anything in the race because it would be good for Sam or not. It's for me. Like I'm going to try to win the fucking race. And at that time I needed to pass the whole group. And that wasn't what caused the penalty because we both made our passes and everything was legal about that situation. So it's just ridiculous. But it's just people are so emotional and entitled to having their favorite athlete be treated like royalty. Well, Um, and now it seems like I don't know anything to the validity of Sam earning a penalty or not. But now everyone's just slamming just refs in general about making bad calls and ruining good races. And I think the facts aren't even there. We have no idea. There's no evidence to show what was true or false about said penalty. So maybe maybe it was valid. Maybe it wasn't. And But that's also a big red flag for our sport that there is an actual reliable data to make a decision about that. So long story, Jackson. Well, yeah, I mean, the penalty happened one and a half minutes, they said, roughly before I passed him. So, and it was for slotting in. And I don't believe it was even videoed at that point. I don't think the cameras are on him, but even if they were, you're not, it's the cameras aren't showing the gaps and it's not, nobody really knows what the gap was. Even Sam probably doesn't know. And it's very possible that he deserved the penalty. That's the crazy thing that nobody's even entertaining is that maybe he deserved the penalty, but there's just this narrative of, Oh no, no, Sam got a penalty. It must've been wrong. Like everybody says their penalty was not deserved. Like it happened at Kona to a ton of people. Um, I've heard Matt Russell talk about his penalty he earned for discarding a cup outside of a aid station, and he argued forever at Chattanooga. I saw that happen. He did throw it outside of it, but he still argues the fact that it was not warranted. So it, nobody thinks they're wrong, but obviously in the moment we all remember things a certain way, especially while we're racing. It's hard to pay attention to a lot of stuff. So whatever happened, like I just think people got to – get some facts before they start casting the first stone. Yeah. But a little bit too much emotion going on there, but anyways, um, probably gave me more attention and more followers as a result, more than anything. So all press is good, but it would have been good if Sam didn't get a penalty. Cause then Jackson and Sam probably could have worked harder together as you were riding incredibly well. Well, honestly it would have been, it would have been very beneficial for me. I got out of the water, something in the neighborhood of a minute ahead of Sam. Um, and he didn't catch me for like, 
40 minutes at least. So we weren't running, we weren't riding super different on our speeds and we did ride together for quite a while once he did catch. And it was mostly Thor and Sam at the front, but I wasn't in danger of being dropped or anything. So um, our group would have gone a lot faster if Sam had stayed there. And obviously that would have helped me. And maybe Sam and I would have been in a battle like for on the run, or you know, on the run and pushed each other and who knows how that would have played out. But um, it was honestly, I had no idea he had even gotten a penalty. And when I saw him going in the penalty box, I was like, it was reminiscent of when Sebastian Keenley got a penalty here in like 2019. Yeah. When... Cause Eric had pulled off just a little to the left and Sebi was making a pass and he kind of edged up on Eric as he had sw- swerved over to the left, and they called that on him as well, which that one on camera caught pretty well, showed that nothing Sebi could have done would have avoided that. Yeah, and it, and it reminded me of, like, the guy who's catching everyone, you know, and probably doesn't deserve the penalty. Like, I was like, wow, that sucks that he got one. Like, he was the one passing everybody. So, yeah, you know, obviously I, I don't want anyone to get unjust penalties. Um, no way. But the other thing I'll say is it's impossible to cause someone to get a penalty unless the ref is making the wrong call. So that's just the way it works. Yeah. So that happened. And hopefully there's some good lessons learned there for Ironman or refs or athletes. Um, So now you're getting ready for like real quick turnaround. You're racing, not um, yeah. Racing this next weekend, Cabo San Lucas, you fly out a couple of days, just getting ready for that. Eating a bunch of pudding and, coconut cream pie and yeah just recovering today was the wednesday before the sunday race so this was kind of the harder day but it was like three three and a half hours not really that tough um and then yeah just getting packed and ready to go i had to get ready for the heat so i've been doing saunas um to try to get the body a little bit ready and then we did our bike today in the garage with no fans and it did get pretty warm as well so well you also had i mean more credit to you i've booked a big photo shoot video shoot for some of our new sponsors for next year and also a big reel for rts we spent a lot of money to get an incredible production crew one of the most published photographers in print for sports photographies here and we spent three days kind of putting on an after party um having photo shoots for six eight hours a day um and then trying to train to recover so there was a lot of, a lot going on for me too so i'm glad that we're finally able to just chill out because today's the first day we can um how do you think garrick's gonna show up at cabo well i think he's really excited to be able to race he's still you know in a much uh in a more of a base phase of his training building up from having not been able to train hard for quite a long time so he's obviously not expecting a peak, peak performance but he's i think he'll be solid i mean he he came and trained with me for a couple of days a few weeks back and um he's his swim like all his three sports are coming along pretty solid so and he always is able to put together at least for sure in the swim he's just a great open water swimmer so i wouldn't be shocked if he comes out pretty close to the front there and he's not the most favored in the heat so (laughs) yeah see if his heat tolerance is kind of better i know he's been training it so he'll be there and I don't think he really has huge expectations, but he just wants to get the the race in and get the finish. And well, he deserves the finish, man, for sure. He's he's waited a long time for it. He's put in a lot of good sweat equity to get his body ready after losing probably every bit of fitness one could um, after yeah. double surgery. So, but he was running pretty good when he was at my place. So 
You know, he was doing his tempos at like three thirty-five Ks, and and nice. uh, I think he'll be solid. So really excited for that. And then he's gonna do Daytona as well, and so am I. So or no, he's gonna do Indian Wells. Indian Wells, and uh, that's probably when he'll have a better day because he'll have a bit more time to build the fitness. But hopefully, Cabo goes well. I'm hoping to get a win there, and I think he will. I don't think anyone there can go toe to toe after what you just did this weekend. No one will be in, in the same caliber. Yeah, I'm feeling really strong with the bike for sure. So hopefully, I can push the bike and uh, get myself into lead and and uh, have a cushion and then just run well. Just don't be pissed off when you see the dirty old draft fest that goes on in Mexico. I know it always happens. You always got to expect it, and that's the way she goes. So just be prepared. At least there's some hills to hopefully be able to split things up when it's flat, like Cozumel and stuff. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's worse there for sure. But last time I rode, I raced in 2019 in Cabo. It was me and Lagerstrom and a couple other guys. Robbie Decker was just dangling in the back of the group and Lionel was the only one ahead of us. And there was like a moto right next to us and the shirt said official on it. And <laughs> there was a guy who slotted in and out of us uh like four or five times as he would kind of yo-yo and he never got a penalty call and we had like approached the referee afterwards afterward he was like oh we just don't really know the rules the rules that well so we didn't really want to make a call like so just <laughs> be prepared for anything down there yeah that's ridiculous um so we'll go to daytona have a sick race there i was going to do ironman arizona but i think given how i've kind of had a terrible six to eight weeks of uh consistency I'm going to focus on Daytona. I, I think I had a big breakthrough in the freaking pool today somehow. I don't know what that means, but I think there's some good things to come for all of us. I hope so. I need a, I need a, just a, a good race. Um, in the meantime, that's all we got. Thanks for checking in on the 70.3 World Championship here in St. George. Recap, um, we'll try to get maybe some of the girls on next time to talk about some more stuff they've been going through maybe we'll get lisa on to talk about her recovery what she's been up to sounds like she might be getting another you know follow-up surgery or something she's getting a shoulder surgery shoulder surgery now so she's gonna have a whole new body next year <laughs> new. yeah she's gonna be more bionic than me yeah um, but in any case we better sign her out until next time peace, peace out, out. Flying through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through